0: Hey there entrepreneurs and welcome to today's episode. So just a heads up, we have entered the month of May. This is the first episode in May and I am officially deeming this month money mindset month. Why do you ask? Because all of the guests this month are talking to you about Money, everything from you know, removing the blocks of your mindset to make money, how to build wealth, you know, how to balance your budget, all sorts of different things. And we have some incredible guests for you this month that you will not want to miss, so be sure to subscribe and download the episodes so that you do not miss all the valuable insights coming your way. But for right now, I am jumping in with the amazing Sean Croxton. Let's go. tune in to find out here we go Hey, there entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm a little bit geeking out right now over today's over today's guest, because it's someone that I've paid attention to for a lot of years. He's done some really pretty amazing things, and it is the amazing Sean Croxton. So Sean Croxton, for those of you who have probably heard me speak of this wonderful person. He is the host of the Quote of the Day show podcast. He's the creator of the Money Mind Academy and an expert, and let me just say expert, on the entrepreneurial mindset. And we are going to talk about all sorts of amazing things. So Sean, thank you so much for being with me to here today. I'm, I'm just really excited for this conversation.
1: I'm excited as well, Michelle. Yeah, looking forward to this.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So let's just jump in. Let's just go there because we need to get there. And there's a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. So I want you to take us back because I did my research because I know you appreciate that (laughs) from folks. (laughs) Um, I want to take you to take us back. I know the way that you grew up because we're going to speak a little bit about limiting beliefs and kind of dive in there later. I want to kind of set the stage, but you grew up in two different worlds, right? I've heard you on interviews say like, I kind of grew up across two different things. and I know your dad played a big part in some of that. So can you walk us through that period of life and how it's kind of informed you today?
1: Um, well, I was born in Oakland, California, and um lived with both of my parents as well as my brother up until the age of 10. My parents got divorced at 10. Um, lived well uh till, until I was 10. My my father did well. Uh he was a fantastic shoe salesman at um at uh Macy's in San Francisco. He was very good at his job, had awards and all this stuff all over the walls and such. Um, and he was also an entrepreneur. So he sold um Gucci knockoff Gucci stuff and uh <laughs> butterfly knives and rambo knives and yeah. just stun guns and random stuff at the Oak, Oakland swap meet. I don't even think any of this is legal anymore. Probably was not even legal then. <laughs> and uh so, you know, my mom did well as well. So we 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 weren't poor, you know, until I was about the age of 10. We did well. We had nice things. Uh parents got divorced and then my dad left. Um, there was no child support coming in. So it was just like my mom's income and, you know, her working several jobs and, you know, trying to support uh, myself and my brother. And so I got to see both sides. I got to see like, um, basketball hoop in the back with a room, specially for toys, you know, a toy room, uh, to like literally overnight go into like, oh, there's no toy room anymore. And, uh, we're broke and we eat chicken every
0: day. Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, you don't, you don't know how to process that as a kid, either, necessarily.
1: No, no it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely troubling. Um, you know, in hindsight, it was just like, okay, my parents just had difficulties because of, you know, certain things and that's yeah. okay. Uh, but it was definitely, um, like you said, two completely different worlds. And I got to experience both of them. I've got beliefs from both of them and they've kind of shaped me to a certain extent into who I am as an adult.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because I think sometimes if you grow up in one mindset, because we talk a lot about kind of the, the subconscious and stuff like that, if you grow up under one, but to have both and to have equal kind of not equal, but exposure to both, it kind of must've, that must've been very impactful for you because then you can tell which one falls in which bucket on some level, right? Like which experience has informed things.
1: Yes. I'm very, very happy that I got the exposure to my entrepreneurial father. Yeah. Um, during those first ten years, I'm also really happy that I got the exposure to seeing my mother work so hard as well. In those second seven years, um, I took off for college, like at seventeen, a few years, a few few months early before I turned eighteen, so I got out a little bit early, and so I got to to see that. And I think those two things, especially without having that exposure to being an entrepreneur. Um, I think a lot of people miss that. I think a lot of people are trying to become entrepreneurs without having that exposure and they end up in kind of a conflict. Um, I like this guy. His name is um, Gene Landry and he writes these books uh, where he takes these very successful people and he looks for all of their common traits. Right. And I believe it's like 90% of them had a self-employed parent. At least yeah. one. And um, if I talk to most of my entrepreneurial friends, they say the same thing. They they had one self-employed parent, but in addition to that, one of their parents or somebody very influential during their childhood told them um, to become in- to become independent. And also that they, you know, they can do whatever they put their minds to. And so they don't run into the conflict that a lot of entrepreneurs run into, where it's like, I'm not going to get the approval of my mom and dad. You know, people already have the approval from their moms and dads, at least the successful ones that I know. And they just kind of keep moving forward instead of always feeling conflicted.
0: Yeah. I mean, you see that you're... Good segue, Sean, good segue (laughs) into into where we're going here. Cause you know, I see that a lot in clients and you probably see it all over the place too, is those, those roadblocks that pop up for entrepreneurs that they don't realize where they're coming from the roadblocks in themselves. And they, you know, they, they get in the way all the time. And I think modeling is a big piece of it, like you just said, but you know, when you're looking at entrepreneurs, what are you looking at for like kind of those top three things that are getting in their way for being successful
1: uh libertine beliefs is definitely going to be number one uh, number two is going to be their their level of self-confidence you know yeah. their self-image their self-worth their self-esteem uh their self-confidence is huge their self-talk right yeah. um what's that 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 dialogue that's running in their mind all day what is that inner critic like and, and number three is going to be the emotions you know you have to have some emotional intelligence. You have to have mm-hmm. some emotional resist, re- resilience, I should say, as well as emotional flexibility in order to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. There are so many ups and downs of becoming an entrepreneur. There are so many different events that will cause you to want to quit, yeah. you know? These, what happens when you're an entrepreneur is not quite what you expect when exactly. you become an entrepreneur. You're like, I'm you going to work for myself. I'm going to work from home and everything's just going to be cool and make all this yeah. money. Yeah. Yo, that, that Some of that is reality, but it's not always like that. No. You know, Success is not a straight line. It's a zigzag. Herman Cain said one day and I was like, yeah, it's a zigzag. It is, it is a, a process of course correction. You know, you fall off course, you make a mistake, you have a temporary setback of failure. And then you can either take that personally and be like, instead of this event being a failure, then I'm a failure. And then you take that and you go, okay, well I'm done. This isn't meant for me. And now you're back at the starting line going, oh, but there's that thing I really want. There's that life I really want. So I'm just gonna go ahead and try again. And then you do it again, you make another mistake, you take that one personally, and then you quit again. Now you're disappointed. Then you do it over and over and over yeah. and over and over again and this is where entrepreneurs are um emotionally unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and I think in regards to kind of the limiting beliefs, what are you what are the top ones you're seeing for limiting beliefs? I know I, uh, I know the ones I see, but I would well, love to I mean, hear your two cents on that. For
1: entrepreneurs um especially sales, sales mm-hmm. are sleazy. Yep. Um yep. marketing is manipulative mm-hmm. and um money is greedy, bad, you know. terrible thing that's going to make me into this terrible person. And people are going to judge me because I'm making money and I'm making sales and I'm doing marketing. Yeah. And so, you know, if the basic principles of any business, um, whether you're online or offline or to sell products, market those products, generate a profit. If you kind of hate all three, Michelle, you're probably not going to be very good in business. <laughs> you're just not. And you can try to force yourself yeah, to it's do not gonna it. work. But it's never going to work. You got to get to those core roots. Because if you're experiencing conscious or unconscious, negative, uncomfortable emotions around sales, marketing, and money, that that guides your, your actions. It guides your decisions. They inform, emotions inform your decisions. And so you'll find that, or I find that a lot of entrepreneurs are very indecisive. They don't know what the next move is. And that has to do with your emotions and your beliefs around sales, marketing, and money. And unless you root those things out, you are royally beat me right here. Fucked. You're screwed. It's not good. You are.
0: You are. I'm over here laughing and cracking up because every time I talk to somebody like you that gets it, it's like, it's like every client call that I get on, quite frankly. And it's like, people come to me and they're like, fix my pipeline, fix my like very tactical thing. And I'm like, friends your your freaking head is what needs to be fixed first like and we're not saying if i'm understanding you correctly i'm not saying you're going to come out of the gate with all this shit like intact and perfect and ready to go but you got to do the work as you evolve as an entrepreneur correct yes
1: in going back to the modeling part yeah um you know, I'm actually rebranding soon. I've been teaching money mindset to like the general population, but now I'm rebranding yeah. to work with more entrepreneurs and in coaches and course Good. creators, and that should be going down next month. But um, part of what I'm going to be teaching is if you're an online entrepreneur, you got to realize something. You got to realize that Marie Forleo, Gary Vee are wired differently than you are. Mm-hmm they wired differently. And what I mean by that is like, not all of us had a, you know, a mom who was like, you know, super feisty and taught us that everything, everything is out <laughs> <laughs> We didn't all get that, yeah, right? No, we didn't. We didn't, no. we didn't see it. We didn't take that on. I mean, imagine being eight years old and your philosophy on life that you learn from your mom is everything is figureoutable. It's amazing. Like you, like- Anything is possible when you, when you think that way. You're just like, well, whatever comes in my way, whatever obstacles, I'm going to figure it out. Some people never learn that forever,
0: Agreed. right? Agreed. Um,
1: Gary Vaynerchuk, if you look at his book, uh, Ask Gary V, I, fig- I forget what page it's on, but he says, um, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to be raised by perfect parents who instilled me with a, a sense of self-esteem okay. and encouraged me to march by the beat of my own drum. So when people think about Gary Vee and how he can go on to social media, say whatever he wants, take all the criticism and not really care. Well, why is that? Because he has high self-esteem. Like you can't can't mess with him. You know what I'm saying? He's like, whatever, like I I know I'm worthy. I know I'm good. And I know if you're talking about me online, cool. just, I'm happy I made you feel something, but your words aren't gonna really do anything anything to me. I'm gonna keep moving forward. So if you didn't get that early conditioning, Um, you got a mountain to climb. And so not only do you have to commit to the business itself, but you also have to commit to your personal development Mm because, you know, similar to what you were saying before, like you're not a funnel hack away, you know, (laughs) you're, you're, you're not a internet marketing course away. You're not, you're literally, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And you're literally, um, to a certain extent, wasting your money.
0: You are, you
1: know, people think like, oh, I'm going to take the online course, and then I'm just going to go out there and crush it. Let me tell you something. I took a a very popular uh, course creator's course, multimillionaire guy. Um, Fantastic course, by the way. But when I was taking the course, um, in the introductory module, he says 100 and something. I forget, maybe 150 we'll say right now. Students have become six-figure earners after taking this course, and seven of them have become millionaires. And I was like, "Man, that's cool, man. That's really good." Pretty good ratio. But 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 then he says though, ten thousand five hundred people have actually taken the course. So what I did is I worked the math.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because I want to assume that whoever took this course, whoever takes this course, their goal is to at least create a six-figure business. Yeah. Well, if that's the goal and he shared how many people became six-figure earners and how many people became millionaires, then the success rate for the course is 2.4%. Right. And we can even just say, maybe he didn't know everybody who became a six-figure earner and a millionaire. So let's just um, quadruple it and say it's a 10% success rate. That still means nine out of 10. Yeah, it's still (laughs) pretty low. It means nine out of 10 people who took that course for 1997 did not get the results But number two, I would say seven out of 10 of them never finished the course.
0: Right. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people that, well, number one, what pisses me off more than probably the majority of things nowadays is when I hear coaches, number one, guarantee that you'll make X amount of money because I think that I just can't, I can't do it. I've had coaches try to make me say it and I just can't do it because your main purpose as a coach is not to do it for them. So right. number one, <laughs> number two, I mean, I don't think people take the time to do the math that you just right. did on that, right. where it therein lies the problem though, mm-hmm. you know, you, this is your business, right? You're supposed to be in the driver's seat and all those kind of, you know, high level phrases that you throw at people, but you're not, you're not committed.
1: Yes. You're not committed. You get in what plan. you're committed to. Yeah. Most people are not committed. Um You know, and this is not to say that courses don't work.
0: No. no, Courses work. I agree.
1: You know, I've taken, I've probably got about 27 different courses in my bookmarks folder. You know what I'm saying? And so like courses work, I implement stuff all the time, but that's the difference. I implement what I learned, whereas most people don't. Now, why do I implement? Because of that old wiring I got back on the day,
0: Mm -hmm. you know?
1: because I worked on myself and my own personal self-image and my personal sense of self-esteem, my personal sense of confidence, which I had none of at one point in my life. And so I've had to shift myself. I've had, I've had to shift my being, you know, where, where, where we tend to go wrong here is like, if you think about the creative process, like creating anything in your life, then there's a very simple three-step formula for it. It's like be, you got to do, and then you have right? Unfortunately, the experts in the space and the entrepreneurial space are teaching the doing so you can have the success, but they're not really teaching the being part. And the being part is the most, most important. So, you know, being, uh, believing, what do you believe to be true about yourself? If you believe that you're not worthy of the money and the, um, love that's coming your way as an entrepreneur you are always going to push it away you're going to be punishing yourself right because you don't feel think very highly of yourself probably for something that happened a long time ago you're trying to atone for your sins right so whatever comes you're like nope i don't want it i don't want it Uh, you got fears around being seen you got fears around being heard so what's the point of actually buying the social media course when you're afraid of being seen and heard Right. no matter what they teach you in the social media course, you're still not going to do it if you're scared of being seen and heard. And that exactly. goes back to some conditioning that happened between birth and the age of seven. So we got to figure out what, what happened there. and We got to reframe it and turn it into something else.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that you you bring up the, if you don't think you're worthy, you're not going to make the money aspect of things. Because when I first started my business, I remember talking to my business coach and he's he's a pretty high earner and, you know, very kind of like hardcore. Like he reminds me of like, if he was like a physical trainer, he'd be like the one screaming at you in the gym. Mm And you know, one of the things he said to me, and I was like, you know, I can make other people money like crazy. Why the fuck can't I do it myself? And he, and the first thing he said to me was, "You feel worthy of it." And my response was basically like, "Fuck you! What does worth have to do with it?" (laughs) Worth has everything to do with (laughs) it. And then as time went on, I realized Mm -hmm. it has everything to do with it. But again, to your point, people don't take the time to be. They don't understand themselves because I'm a, I'm a big proponent that. If you're in the entrepreneurial space, self-awareness better be high on your list of things that you're working on folks, like yikes. Cause I mean, just to, to, go to your other point around emotions and emotional resilience, you know, resilient entrepreneur, if you don't know where you stand emotionally and you can't tell what your triggers are and you can't tell what's driving the bus, how are you supposed to move forward? Right?
1: Yeah it's it's really hard to move forward when you don't have the emotional intelligence you know launches are gonna go bad yeah. you know emails aren't gonna land somebody's not right. gonna like your your people aren't gonna like your posts. it's gonna get no engagement it's gonna get no reach you're gonna have an ad spend that that went totally bad it's just going to happen and if you can't handle those things um, this probably isn't the business for you or you got to do some some mindset work. You know, being an entrepreneur, like you're in charge. You know, most people go from being employees, to entrepreneurs, they get so tired of being employees or like F this yeah. and t- tired of being treated this way, but they don't realize what their bosses are going through. Exactly, They have no idea. I always say like, we should <laughs> flip-flop. You know, employees should be like the boss for a week and the boss should be the employee for a week. And that right. way we can just kind of see, see what it's like and experience. Now, most of us have already been employees, but, but um, I think there's a lack of perspective when somebody leaves being an employee to becoming an entrepreneur and the boss, like how many sleepless nights there are and yes. how much anxiety there is. And most importantly, how, must, how much risk there is because yeah. risk is challenging. I mean, I mean, think about how a lot of us were raised like be careful,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah. um, don't get your hopes up. You know, those type, that type of wiring that we got is completely the antithesis to of, of risk taking propensity. You know, when I was talking about those Gene Landrum books every single book he's ever written, you know on those nine to 12 different characteristics of these successful people, it's always risk propensity. You know, it's like self-image, high sense of self-esteem, and it's risk propensity. Very uh, often, uh, these successful people were raised by permissive parents who, you know, just said, hey, go out there. You fail, it's okay. Just go out there and, and do, do your it thing. It's okay. You know, they encouraged them to fail. Another thing was that these successful individuals um, moved around a lot as kids, huh. Right? And so they had to adapt yeah. to new situations and to the unknown. Most people are afraid of the unknown. And so they typically had some type of um, superhero when they were kids. Like I've got Superman right there, I got Superman right mm-hmm. here, and I'm, I'm reading this book, I'm going, whoa, I got, I got a Superman yeah. cape on my chair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you know, they had these figures that they they, they wanted to be as kids, these superpowers that they wanted and they carried those ideas into their adulthoods. I mean, there, there's, there's several more that don't come to my mind right now, but those early childhood years are huge. Oh, one more. They experienced um, usually some type of crisis or a death of somebody close to them very early. So they got to see like life, like life- yeah, like real life. life. I've only got so much time and I don't know when it's going to end. So let's, let's, let's do something with this. Yeah. Let's do something.
0: I mean, it's just, and a lot of the points that you're listing off as well come back to a sense of hope, not to be cheesy, but it really does. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're kind of taught to just go out and fail and bounce back again, um, you learn that, you know, that number one, you learn the end point isn't your, your self-worth is detached From that end point, I see that often, like in times when entrepreneurs gauge their worth by how much money they're making or that kind of end result. But, you know, you learn to have hope and faith that it's going to, it's just going to work out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always mean like rainbows and butterflies are going to pop up, right? Like you said, like there's going to be those crisis moments, but the people that I know are the most successful understand that you move through the crisis, that it's going to end at some point and that you know, that sense of resilience and that real life stuff doesn't negate the progress that you've made so far. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Also loving the journey is important. Yes. It's not just the destination because I mean, if it's just a destination, then you're just going to keep going, like feeling like I'm not going to be happy until I'm exactly. not going to be optimistic and tell. I'm not going to be confident and tell. I'm not going to yep. be free and authentic and tell. You know, the, whenever I've finished a, like a monumental project or a launch or something like that, I mean, it's cool, but it's never like the fireworks and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> it's,
0: it's like anticlimactic you know, sometimes. Yeah, you're like, like Man,
1: yeah, move yeah, along. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this, this was cool, but, but what I really enjoy is like this morning. Cause I'm working on a, another course actually around this topic, nice. uh, you know, sitting at the computer for four hours, writing and working on slides and like looking at the clock yeah. and going, damn, three and a half hours just passed. Yeah. Like where, where did it go? You're like
0: in the flow of it, like you're in completely the in the flow of it and, you know, you know like, not making, not watching the leaderboard go up or whatever the hell accomplishment you're trying to do. It's such an amazing feeling that not a lot of people get.
1: Yeah, they never that. get that they never get that sense of flow the the, the, the the second hand on the clock is just moving so slow yeah. and they're watching it the whole time like damn let it be five o'clock so I can go home like when it gets five o'clock for me I'm like damn it's five o'clock yeah. like no I don't want it to be five o'clock you know I don't want to shut yeah, down right I have now. more I to stuff keep, to do I want to keep working but I don't want to burn myself out and I've put eight hours in today let's just shut it down but damn like it's Friday already. You know, if you yeah. love Fridays, like your your job sucks. It, yeah. it just sucks. I do not like Fridays, but I do wanna go back to uh, what you were saying about hope and, and, and commitment. Um, I think uh, we have to be okay with, there's no guarantee that things exactly. gonna work out. Exactly. You know, that's what really commitment yeah. is. Commitment is like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm going for. And it may not work out. Uh-huh. It may be amazing if it does, but if it doesn't, it's all right. I was, I was there for the journey because that's the truth. It doesn't work out for everybody. No
0: statistically, yeah. it's impossible yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> to work out all the time. So, you know, I think a lot of times also, I mean, this is just social media at its finest. Um, and I say that with a little bit of sarcasm is that people only see those final, those final performances, right? Like you kind of hear that all the time, like, Oh, well, you look so good. And you did it and all that bullshit. And I'm like, okay, but you didn't see the 12 times in between. Yeah. You didn't see me having a panic attack <laughs> in, the, in the next room. That shit's not on social media. So, you know, to your point, it's like, it's, it all comes back to, yeah, having that hope, having that faith, having that commitment, but also knowing it's the journey because either way, Mm -hmm. if it fails or it doesn't fail, you're still going to learn some shit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So why not look at that?
1: (laughs) The the expectation that a lot of people have or the hope that they have is that I'm always going to be happy. Oh God, help me. I always want to feel good. I don't want to go through hard things. And, you know, that's where it's like, well, number one, you're not,
0: that's, so not be okay. an
1: entrepreneur, if that's,
0: that's not if
1: okay. That's not <laughs> okay. The case. But also, I mean, it's it's inhuman to think that way. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you have to embrace all of the emotions. Yes. The full spectrum of the emotions. It's very hard to feel happiness without feeling some sadness. Because yeah. there's 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 nothing to compare it to. You're just always happy all the time. Honestly, I think it would be pretty boring to be happy all the time. I've actually experienced this before. gonna yeah. Go into it. But, no, no, um, no,
0: no, no, no. We are going to go into it because I was also on Paxil, my friend. Yeah. And it tweaked me the fuck out. Like, because I was my. I remember my college roommates being like, "Up, oh, took your happy pills today, didn't you?" Because I would be like, I would then have to take sleeping pills to sleep because mm. I was just so like, "Woohoo, let's go!" And it was fucked. Up and then I did the same thing you did. I pulled myself off of them because I was like, something about this is not normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, You're just
1: too happy. You're yeah. Just too, I've experienced. You've experienced what it's like to be happy no. all the time. It's cool. What no. is not that cool? It's like no. at some at some point, it's like this ain't right. Like I, I I shouldn't be this happy all of the time. And you don't have the you don't feel the, the spectrum of emotions. And when you stop feeling the expect the spectrum of the emotions, something just feels off yes. you actually can get tired of being happy yeah. which is strange which is wit- some no people's- it's
0: not but i, I agree like it's <laughs> not though but keep
1: going <laughs> in, in some people's like idea of happiness if you were to ask them like what would you be doing if you were like the happiest person in the world they're, they're like i'd be on a beach hanging out reading a book doing nothing da-da-da-da-da. i'm like that sounds like it
0: sucks exactly
1: like I'm happy. That when sounds I'm... like
0: it's good for like a week or two, but yeah, then that's a vacation. what else are you going
1: to do? <laughs> yeah. It's a vacation, but, but to me, happiness, like I feel my happiest when I'm working on something, yes. when I'm creating something, that's what we're all here for. If you're sitting on the beach 365 days a year, at some point, you're going to, you're going to feel compelled to create something, to do some type of project. And that's when, again, we are at our happiest.
0: Yes. And I think oftentimes people, the people, and, you know, I'm just going to go there and, and I would say it is the people who say that are the people who are looking to escape something anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, and, and when I give talks and stuff, I say like escapism, right. You got to be very conscious of it, especially, you know, with the shutdown and everything we saw people freak out because they couldn't escape their own, their own minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting around the emotional part of it too. I was, I was giving a talk the other day to, um, to a group of women. And one of them said, you know what, I'm just sad. I'm just sad all the time. Like, and it's almost like the stigma around like, sad needs to be fixed (laughs) like you know and i just said i was like well maybe you're just sad and it was like the look of like oh that's a thing that happened across this entire like zoom call was Mm -hmm. was sad in itself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also extremely shocking that we have to normalize sadness Mm -hmm. (laughs) like
1: (laughs) if we weren't supposed to have sadness
0: yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't
1: be sadness you know what i mean if if we weren't supposed to have anger there wouldn't be a such thing as as anger like all emotions are appropriate in the right context yes um you know sadness is okay and, and you know i think sometimes we actually a lot of times we two things we identify with our emotions mm-hmm. and so it's like i am sad like no you are not sad, you're feeling sadness, you're having sadness. And I think just just, just making that distinction is huge. So people don't like grab onto it and make it part of them. Uh, Number two is the judgment of the emotion you have the primary emotion which Mm -hmm. is the sadness which is literally sadness is the feeling the sensation of sadness it's literally like little molecules of emotions that are bound onto your cells for a while and then they're going to leave the cells and you're going to feel better but what we tend to do instead of like allowing that refractory period to happen naturally we start to judge the emotion and we make the emotion wrong and it turns into this loop i'm feeling this way it's bad. I'm bad. So I'm going to feel this way some more and it's bad. So I'm bad. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And we get stuck in that. And eventually as uh, Joe Dispenza talks about, it it eventually becomes your personality. It becomes wired into you. But if you could have just stepped back in the beginning and been like, Hey, I'm having sadness. I'm feeling sadness. And you know what? Emotions are like clouds in the sky. Some days you're going to be cloudy. Some days it's going to be rainy, Other days it's going to be a fucking tornado outside, but it's okay because there's also shiny, bright, amazing days. And instead of trying to figure it out all the time, just let it be.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think, I think it's going to be interesting. um, Just on a side note, it's going to be interesting what the next year brings because from, I'm just did a survey amongst a whole bunch of employees and I'm speaking to and every answer Every answer, like literally I just asked, like, how are you? And it was some there were some scary answers in there across the board, you know. So I think it's gonna be it's just gonna be an interesting, interesting couple of years coming down the pike when people realize that they have to normalize the other set of emotions that's been kind of kicked off the island. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're gonna end up with depression, you're gonna end up with a lot of other worse shit but I digress. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about that inner critic piece of it, right? So give me your two cents on the inner critic. I mean, you just said some of it, like we confirm our own stuff when we go down the rabbit hole with our emotions sometimes, but speak to me about your two cents on inner critic.
1: Oh, the inner critic. Um, (laughs) The inner critic is always lying to you.
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: And the inner critic is often protecting you. And what we need to do is acknowledge the inner critic for what it's protecting us from, right? So for example, if I were to, you know, before we came on here and started doing this interview, if I were to say to myself, Sean, it's going to be a terrible interview. It's going to be the worst thing. Nobody's going to like it. Michelle's not going to like it, da 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 da, da. What that does is it prepares me for the reaction to this interview. I knew she wasn't going to like it. So it doesn't hurt so bad. Exactly. If there's a bunch of criticism about this interview, I'd be like, well, they can't say anything that I didn't say to, say to myself already. Yep. It's okay. Yep. Um, what we tend to do, and I, I'll tell you the, the most, um, one of the most impactful things that I've ever done is I read this book called Frogs and the Princes. No, it was, a, fro- no, it was um, a little brain dead from writing on morning. Uh, <laughs> the Structure of Magic, volume one. And I read this. I don't know. I was probably like 27 at the time, and I had like all of this woo, just terrible stuff going on in my brain. Yeah. Like if I had a recording of what was going on in my head, like you would be like, "Oh, this is a horror movie. Yeah, not like, pretty. This is this is bad." And uh, there were three things that I learned from that book um, in regard to language patterns and the way that we generalize, distort, and delete information
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know a generalization would be like when we use the words like no one or everyone or they or never yeah. or always and because the brain is so energy efficient it doesn't like to play in the gray
0: right
1: it plays in the black and it goes to the white cuz it's easier right it requires less mm-hmm. thinking
0: yeah
1: and when it goes to the black or the white the all or the none it says things like Nobody likes me. And you'll just accept it. You'll be like, nobody likes me. Nobody does like me. And that you'll and imagine how that belief or how that inner self-talk guides your decisions and your actions and your behavior in your life. Because what we really are, are belief confirmation machines.
0: Exactly.
1: Whatever we believe to be true, like we will prove out in our experience, right? So if you believe that nobody likes you, you will go out in the world trying to get nobody to like exactly. you. Exactly. You know exactly. What I'm saying? You're
0: going to manifest that right out so of the you, gate.
1: <laughs> so you can be right. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to prove ourselves right. And, you know, it's a real simple question. Hey, Sean, nobody likes you. Is, is there it not, true? <laughs> is there not one person who likes you? Like, yeah. oh, there, there are people who like me. It's, you know, John and Sarah and da, 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 da. they like me. Okay. All right. Well, that's not true. Everybody's going to criticize me when I start my business,
0: everybody, like all of them, all billion people on the face of the planet, Sean.
1: Yeah. The 8.4 <laughs> billion people that are here. They're, they're all, all coming. They're to all coming for you. you. Really? You know, well, who, who exactly is it that's going to criticize you? Friends? No, not friends. I want you to write down the names of those friends. Oh, my family. Well, who in your family, exactly okay. who in your family is going to. And you know, when I do this with my students, it's like three or four people. Yeah. You know, it's like my dad, it's like some coworkers. And then you got to asked the question, okay, well, how do you know with your dad? Oh, because he said this. Okay, cool. Now, what about your coworkers? How do you know for sure that they're going to criticize you? Well, I don't really know. Okay, cool. So you don't know for sure. So what you're doing now is something I learned from that book called mind reading. You know, <laughs> mind reading is yep. like when you're literally trying to read somebody's mind, but you really don't know. You just created all of it in your head. They don't like me which protects you from social anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, if they don't like you, then you don't want to approach them. So you don't have to feel the social anxiety. And so when you can identify these cognitive distortions, when your inner critic brings them up, there's a great book called self-esteem by McKay around this, this concept, when you can identify these distortions and rebut the distortions, then you can be like, okay, now I have a more accurate representation of reality than something that has been generalized, distorted, and you know, has there's experiences that have been deleted that I'm not really paying attention to. Right. And so you start to see your strengths. Because what, what the inner critic tries to do is it hides your strengths and magnifies your weaknesses. So, what can we do to be more accurate in our descriptions of our strengths and our achievements and as you know from money mind academy it's like first week you do the accomplishment intro yeah okay you make a list of all the things you've accomplished and you're going to introduce yourself to the class you know with this this accomplishment introduction. So you're like, hey, meet such and such, meet Michelle. Michelle, da, 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 she's done this. She, she climbed uh, Mount, Mount Kilimanjaro. She raised three kids. She went backpacking all by herself. She's built this business. Because a lot of people who do that assignment go, I never think about this stuff.
0: No, no. Because you're programmed almost. You've programmed yourself to a point or that, you know, the belief system or however you want to put it has, has made you, has put you in tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. only see that. I would say one of the most valuable things anyone has ever taught me is to just ask, is it true? Period. Yeah. Like, true? that's all. Is it true? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think the more, it's such a simple technique, but people are moving too fast to even do it. And they just accept it as the way of being. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like they're they're there to keep you safe, but it doesn't mean it's always true. Yeah.
1: Very <laughs> seldom is it true. Yeah. Like I found that 98% of what I was saying to myself was not true yes yeah.
0: and i mean also distinguishing the you know speaking from a brain perspective distinguishing the difference between the threat of being eaten by a lion versus you know failing on a on a launch right <laughs> For people, well, the, you know, let's get can we go in that area too please <laughs> well the
1: same well the, the the place in your brain that processes physical fear is yeah. the same place that processes psychological, not physical fear, uh, physical right. pain yeah. is the same place in your brain that processes uh, psychological pain. So your survival brain is just always in this state of trying to avoid all pain, right? including psychological pain. And yep. so not getting any likes and getting the mean tweets and the mean comments and all that stuff, it's painful. Like your brain is like, hey, let me talk you out of doing this thing. It's going to hurt. Because there's a reward, right? There's a reward. There's a reward for not even trying. You don't have to be criticized. You don't have to outshine anybody. You don't have to, um, um, I'm blanking right now. You don't have to, um, defend your work is what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. You don't have to do any of that. Right. You don't have to ruffle any feathers. And so it keeps you in that, that safe place where you don't have to deal with any of that psychological pain. And this is where most people are, yeah. unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's, again, it's not to, it's not to give yourself an excuse to reshame yourself either. Cause I remind mm-hmm. clients of that all the time is that they, you know, I'm not, I'm telling you to do the work, but I'm not giving you a reason to go down like the shame spiral that will accom- potentially accompany that, it's to be aware of it and to be kind of. I don't. I don't like to use the word detached because you have to be attached to do the work. But there has to mm-hmm. be a little, a little bit of um, removal to be able to see it straight. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I if you can't it see correctly. it, you can't
1: change it. Right. You have to be aware of it. And so, um, you know, when I get in my own way, I'm always mm-hmm. like, okay, what am I trying to protect myself from? Exactly. What pain yeah. am I trying to avoid? You know, I posted something on Instagram the other day and I'm I'm at the bar and I'm watching the game and I'm going, should I post this right now? It's a little bit controversial. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, what is somebody going to say?
0: Yeah.
1: Just go, exactly. you know? Whereas a few years ago, I would have been like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be criticized for this. Now I've gotten to the point where I mostly don't care.
0: You well, know? which is nice, right? And I think... And I think you don't care, like you hear a lot of people throw that phrase around like, well, don't just don't give a shit, which right. if it was that easy, I feel like we all would have probably flipped that fucking switch. Right. Like, but you have to kind of go through some, some shit to get to that point. Can you um, just talk a little bit about, cause I've heard you talk about, you know, your YouTube comments and and taking some shit <laughs> back in the day from, from people. Can you just talk, talk people through a little bit, how you got through that to the mindset that you're at right now?
1: um attention is everything right yeah. where your attention goes your energy flows and so i would make that i started my first youtube channel back in like 2007 yeah. it's one of the first health video channels yeah one
0: um, of the biggest right
1: it, for a little while for a little while there yeah yeah, yeah it was kind of crazy pioneer
0: <laughs> i don't want to downplay that there was like millions of like <laughs> millions of things and lots of people watching you so I don't lots downplay of
1: that shit. And lots yeah podcast listens back in the day too so anyway um so I would make these videos for the YouTube, and I would get all these comments. And ninety-five percent of these comments were great. We love you, Sean. Yeah. But it's the five percent,
0: mm-hmm. and They'll I'm just like, you alive. <laughs> oh,
1: it would eat me up. Just just the the criticism, the racism. This is all the isms, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, I dealt with this for a year maybe two, maybe three, I can't remember the exact timeline on this, three years. And at some point, I just wanted it to stop. People were making videos about me. You know, this guy named Durian Mark Ryder made these videos about me. And it's like, if you Googled me, Sean Croxton, these videos were right at the top of Google. And I would meet people, they'd be like, they'd be like, did that guy make a video about you? And then right. I remember yeah. I sent a Facebook mo- message to a guy, we were going back and forth, and it was like, there's nothing wrong with it, but, He like erased this part of the email and was just leave this line. And then he turned it into this video of taking my words out of context. Yeah. And whenever you went, whenever you were on any of my YouTube videos in the related videos, this one was always at the top, right? It was was right there. And it was just driving me crazy. And I'm like, what is wrong with people? Like I don't understand what is wrong with people. And I just. You know, because my attention was on the 5% instead of the 95%, I got so just disenchanted with people for a while. Like, what the hell is wrong with people? I just Mm -hmm. want to go back to being personal trainer, Sean, that nobody knows except for the people in the gym. So one day I remember I was in bed in my apartment downtown and I just deleted everything. I got rid of my YouTube channel, got rid of my Twitter, got rid of my Facebook. And I mean, there's lots of people. Lots yeah, of content. yeah. Just and it was just gone. And I will on. tell you though, I will tell you though, <laughs> the immediate feeling I had was a strong sense of relief where I was like, it's over.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I remember telling my friends about it. And uh, one of those friends is like a big deal now, Jason Capital. And he's like, you sure about this? And I was like, yes. He's like, nah. I think tomorrow you're gonna feel a little bit differently. (laughs) And tomorrow I woke up and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" Yeah. And I had to slowly upload or re-upload the videos, and because the subscribers were annoyed, they unsubscribed because they kept on getting notifications. So, so the 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 moral of the story is, you know, one more part of this story. I remember, I think it was that weekend, I went to Landmark Forum our landmark advanced course, which is a personal development course. Mm-hmm. And one of the members of my group was in, uh, she was, she did some stuff for the Sinatra family. And I was telling them about my whole issues and the whole YouTube thing. She says, Sean, one thing I've learned working this for this family is if nobody's talking about you, you're not making an impact at all. Exactly. Just like embrace it. And then after that, I was just kind of flying.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember I, You, you posted about this whole scenario at one point in time. And I remember reading it because Mm -hmm. I was in a very similar mindset when this, when this podcast launched and I was angry, like every person I was like, every inbox message, every email. And I was like, leave me the fuck (laughs) all of you people. But you were the first person I'd actually heard say it. And I was like, thank you. I'm like, it's not that I'm ungrateful. It's not that anything, but it was where my attention was yeah. going and it had nothing to do necessarily with the people and everything to do with me and like where well, my head was at that point.
1: Well there is a little bit of an addendum to this because I think as human beings we only have bandwidth yeah. for so much input in so many people. Yes. And one of the best things that I did four or five months ago is I stopped returning email. Like Miss Katie who works with me, she returns all the email. She's the only one who sees like the non-personal email like when I send yeah. out a newsletter she gets all the responses and that's not to diss my my followers yeah. and stuff it's just there's too much for one person. Yes. And that part was making me a little bit crazy because it was actually kind of screwing up my work because I would write an email and it'd be a damn good email but then I'd be like there's going to be a huge response to this email and I'm going to have to return every single one of them, you know, that's
0: exhausting.
1: It's exhausting. It's just, it's emotionally exhausting because there's a sense of it's never over, it's never complete. You get to inbox zero and it just comes right back. Now this is, this is a, you know, everybody deals with this, but if you do have a larger following it's, it's magnified. Yeah. And it, it starts yeah. to, and the things that people ask, you know, on Money Mind Academy a couple of weeks ago, I was complaining about, you know, a lot the stupid questions people ask. You know, I hate to use the word they stupid are but, sometimes, but, but there's
0: no other word for it. On some yeah. It's, it's <laughs>
1: like, it's like, you know, here's a picture of a book that I really like on Instagram. And people will DM me and be like, what's the name of that book? And I'm just like,
0: it's right there. D- did you see the picture? Like, no. Understand. And I mean, and that's, it's just, after a while, you get sick of doing the work for them, I think. And it's, and it's not a matter because I can hear, I can know that some people are going, well, woe is you, you have the following, you have the this, we're going to be grateful, blah, 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 and dismiss everything we're saying. However, to your point, like, there's only so much emotional space you can hold. And if you're not safeguarding your own boundaries, you're not holding space for anybody else. Like, and that's key. And those boundaries are you know, that's, I've learned that over the years too, is I am starting to guard those with my life. Like mm-hmm. literally, cause I've had some physical stuff too, but like you start to guard those and you become a lot pickier with what you let in. And that's not to be a snob or to think you're mm-hmm. better than people. It's just because if not, you're compromising your own sanity. Yes. That's be dramatic, well, but it does
1: go nuts. I mean, back okay. in the day, well, this is a, this is a problem that we all want to have. You know, I remember opening up my computer back in 2007 being like, why doesn't anybody email me? You know what I'm saying? Well, somebody please email me. And then it gets to the point where it's, it's flattering, but it's just unmanageable. It's just like, it's impossible to manage that volume. And it becomes like picking at your time, you know, and it's like, damn, I got this whole thing over here that I'm trying to create for you. But at the same time, there's all these little pings that could have been Googled that, yeah. that kind of get to me after a while. And so, like you said, you have to have boundaries and, and most importantly, you have to protect your energy. Yes. That's that huge yes. and also like to get past the guilt of not being the person who personally responds to every single email and yes. email. If not, you're just simply not gonna grow or you're gonna make yourself a little crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I think do, do not underestimate that, that level of crazy. You can make Mm -hmm. for yourself, folks, because you have
1: to experience it. So to know what I'm talking about, you have to experience being one person with that amount of input coming at you. It's really hard.
0: Yeah. And I think if you haven't been in a leadership role, if you hadn't gotten to that level that that Sean is describing here, you may have a tough time understanding what we're saying, but, you know, it, it becomes, it literally will feel like people are trying to take pieces out of you. Yes. um, for, for different motives. And it's, mm-hmm. it's unsettling. It makes you question your like view of humanity on a lot of levels. Like it's, yes. it's a really weird feeling. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you for being so blunt, blunt on it here. Go ahead. No
1: problem. Can I add one thing to that? Yeah. Cause I, I was taking, um, Dr. Pillay's, uh, seminar, Dr. sereni Pillay, author of one of my favorite books called Life Unlocked. Yeah. And I was complaining on the first day about like, I want to grow this business, but I feel like I'm stuck because I know that if I grow it more, there's going to be more of that picking up my time and more requests and all of that stuff. And I can only deal with it so much. I I, I can barely deal with it now. And, um, you know, I got to express that. And a couple of days later, he's talking he says, um, just randomly and, um, you know, Sean, um, you know, people who are, you say people are bothering you and want your time. He says, um, uh, the reason that you don't have the, the the business that you want right now is because you're not committed to having it. You know, the, yeah. the as soon as you become committed to having it, then you'll have it. And I thought about like I wasn't committing myself to creating the more hands off, boundary business that I yeah. wanted because it's possible.
0: Yes, but yeah. for
1: me, I was in this mindset like it's impossible, and I always generalization yeah. Yeah. have to be the one who's returning the emails and the DMS and all of this stuff all the time, all of the time,
0: mm-hmm. of
1: the time. Yeah. another generalization. Right. Yep. And so, you know, that's where I was like, okay, I'm, I can hire somebody separate or I'm just going to ask Kate to make some extra money. And so Katie was like, yes. And it was like that easy, but mm. I was resisting it so much Yeah, but it was that easy to pass off.
0: But I mean, essentially you stepped into what I like to say, like your CEO position, right? Like, and that's where so many entrepreneurs miss the boat where they think they have to control everything. And they think like the business is them again, attaching it to their self-worth when really you have to step up and take that 50,000 foot view level, you know, look at things to be able to be your own CEO and run a business to your point, like you actually want it to be run and trust that other people have zones of genius that can be just fine totally. for running your business.
1: <laughs> totally. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff in this, Sean. And, you know, I just want to thank you again. I don't want to take up too much more of your time because we're almost, believe it or not, at the hour mark. Um, so can you, well, number one, I always like to say, any last kind of tidbits you want to throw at people? I always give people that chance. And if the answer is no, that's cool too. <laughs>
1: not really. Um <laughs> Be, do, have. It's all I really have. Be, do, have. Like, look at those beliefs that are holding you back. Yes. You know, how were you raised? What did you hear about sales? What did you hear about marketing? What did you hear about money? Do you have any conscious or unconscious conflicts going on in your business? And understand that it's going to be very, very difficult to create the business you want while you still have those conflicts. And so um, um, resolve them. (laughs) <laughs> resolve them, because it's it you was know, yeah. just one more, one more thing is yeah, like, of there are literally people out there who need you. They need yeah. your services. They need your products. They need your help. They need your support. They're looking for you right now. They're literally on the Google right now looking for you. And, um, you want to make sure that you're there. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of my purposes is like to help you to remove your mental blocks. So you can show up for the people who are looking for you. Yeah. Because they're willing to 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 be served. They're also willing to pay you really, really good money so you can actually do the thing that you love, which is the reason why you became an entrepreneur. And so remove those mental blocks and you can have the big impact and make the income that you want.
0: Yeah. Amen. I couldn't have couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you very much for all of the amazing wisdom. And I have I would be remiss if I didn't mention that if you go to Sean's website, which what is your website, friend?
1: Sean Croxton.com.
0: <laughs> go figure.
1: <laughs> if
0: you go to his website, you're going to see a really valuable area because he's mentioned quite a few books. And that is one of the things that I really love about you is you're always reading. Um, and you're always kind of taking it a little deeper. If you go there, you have a books, a books resource thing, and that links off to Amazon, correct?
1: Yes, With I all do. different
0: groups of books, which I really enjoy, because then you can go there and you can find all this amazing knowledge. Um, well, thank you. Very much for all this insight. I can't thank you enough. Um, It's been a pleasure. And, you know, I can't wait to share this with our people. So thank you. Thank you very much, Michelle. Appreciate it. So I have to say that, you know, we covered a lot of ground in this episode. And, you know, there's just so much to what Sean was saying around really making sure your head's in the right place and where your attention goes you know, making sure that it's, that it's situated in the appropriate place to bring yourself to the next level, to, you know, not be scared by sales and marketing and all of those things and making money itself, because they're super important as entrepreneurs. And many of us don't realize how we are our own worst enemy when it comes to making money. So, and anyways, as we continue this amazing Money Mindset Month, next week's guest is the incredible Misty Lynch. Now, Misty is kind of an interesting combination because she's a certified financial planner and also a certified life coach. So she understands how to build the wealth, and she also understands what gets in the way of building the wealth and all of the different tips and tricks and stuff that goes into that. So that's an episode, trust me, there's so much good value in that you do not want to miss it. And also as always, if you love this podcast, help us out and please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life. See you later.